thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams? Mr. Cobb has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. Got kind of work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. Hey everybody, welcome we back to the subject of the Lucky Doll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Inception. Directed, written, produced by Christopher Nolan. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. This movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Cobb. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Arthur, Ellen Page as Adeline, uh, Tom Hardy as Eves, Ken Watanabe as Sato, Dilip Rayo as Yusuf, and Cillian Murphy as Robert Fisher. Inception, 2010, PG-13, 2 hours and 28 minutes. Is, is about a thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream-sharing technology. He's given the inverse task of planting an idea instead into the mind of a CEO. So, Inception was without a doubt one of the best movies of the past decade, maybe of the past few decades. It rose to the top of the list of my top, you know, top 10 list, uh, mostly because of the idea. I think the story and the concept, along with the execution, all of it hit on very high cylinders. This movie, from an original standpoint, you can't compare it to, to many things, in, in my opinion. Maybe some, maybe some time shiftiness with, like, a minor, minority report a little bit, but not even... Even with that, there's still very little uh media to compare this to and so when it comes to the basic idea of uh the dream sharing technology in this movie i find it absolutely fascinating so the pros of this movie the music obviously by hans zimmer is a memorable score and anybody that has uh even relatively heard homages of Inception, know what it's about. It's the big womp. You know, it's it, it, it's amazing. Uh, the editing within this movie is extremely skilled. It's by uh, the same editor of Christopher Nolan's uh, previous movies, Lee Smith. Christopher Nolan, uh, we all know him, obviously, from movies as early as Memento, coming down to movies such as uh, The Prestige, Insomnia, Dunkirk, Interstellar, the entire three Batman trilogy, uh, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns, and then we have uh, Interstellar, of course. Nolan has his hands on a lot of high-concept work. I would call myself maybe like a quote-unquote Nolan fanatic, but I'm not 100% a completist. I still haven't seen... uh, Insomnia, 
and uh, Following, I believe, is his first movie he directed. Uh, but other than that, I've seen all of his other movies, and I've been pretty pretty mind blown by it. So I do know Tenet is coming up as well, which is supposed to probably be some sort of sci-fi mind bender twistiness or something like that. Nolan loves the mind benders. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the behind the scenes. Nolan is the only writer credited on here. Uh, it was also produced with his wife, Emma Thomas. And uh, let me see what else. The same cinematographer, Wally Pfister, uh, has joined Christopher Nolan on Inception as well as uh, Transcendence is his first movie that he directed but didn't have Christopher Nolan on with him and that kind of bombed. But other than that, uh, Wally Pfister is very skilled with his camera for uh, a number of reasons. We have uh, movies such as The Dark Knight Rises. We have uh, Moneyball, Inception, Dark Knight, Batman Begins, The Italian Job, Insomnia with Christopher Nolan, and he was also the director of photography for Memento as well. I uh, believe that's about all the movies I'm familiar with him being involved in. But uh, Wally Pfister, definitely an interesting cinematographer to keep an eye out for. Uh, this movie is slightly disorientating. Uh, it's if you're not a hundred percent focused on this movie, I could see you becoming lost. I, I remember first watching it, and uh, I think it was my mother that told me ten years ago. She was like, "Yeah, I saw it. It was, you know, it was okay. It was, a, it was an interesting movie, but it didn't occur to me that this was not the kind of movie she needed to be going to see. This was my kind of movie. This was, this isn't." for people just to go, uh, you know, have a nice time at the theater. This is a psychological thriller that you need to pay attention to. You can't afford to fall asleep during this movie. And let alone, why would you want to? Uh, the story and concept basically make this kind of like a, a, dream, a dream heist in a way. I don't, not, not 100%, but in, in a way it is. The action and effects... From practical to non are really impressive. I, I think that Nolan is definitely proud of using practical effects in a lot of his movies. And I think that we can credit the Dark Knight series for allowing them, his success on those movies, to flood over to him to have this uh, large, bu such a large budget for uh, such an original concept of a movie. Normally you don't get movies that have a budget of $160 million. Uh, you know, and go on to gross $829 million worldwide uh, and it not have some sort of IP uh, with it, you know. Something like The Joker did about those numbers, did a little bit better than this, but it's with a name brand. So it's very impressive that Nolan was able to get all these people out there uh, in this kind of recognition for this movie. The cons. Uh, there weren't many cons I could find with this movie. Considering it is my favorite movie, uh, I, I, you could say I have somewhat of a small bias. 
but there the cons that I found with this movie came from maybe the orientation came from the perspective of how he uh, they treat the the wife character in this movie can't really say too much more than that just I think the the wife character is written kind of one one or two note not and it's only from a certain perspective uh might not sit well with some people give or take I don't know uh also I found some world breaking uh elements of this movie that didn't exactly make sense to me re-watching it you know I've seen this movie probably five to ten times total and this is the first time I've sat down to really analyze the world building and the writing of it uh, and just you know, give it a critical eye there are aspects of this movie that seem to break its own world building so let's get into the spoiler section for Inception uh, Saito is, uh, Ken Watanabe. Uh, Ken Watanabe, we, we saw him most recently in, uh, Godzilla's, and, uh, we've seen him in other th- small cameos as, a uh, Isle of Dogs, uh, Pikachu, Pacific Rim. He's also in a lot of Japanese, uh, movies as well. Uh, is he being infiltrated at the beginning because of a marriage dispute? There's a lot of small, subtle world building in this movie that is kind of brushed over, just like uh, the entire team talks about previous jobs they've done and the company they work for, although we hardly ever see any of the company. We see the guys that work for the company, but we don't see the company. It's very kind of shadow, mysterious in the dark. Uh, so we don't exactly understand why they are breaking in Saito's uh, mind at the beginning, except for maybe it's some sort of, maybe Saito is seeing somebody he shouldn't be. The children in this movie, Leo's children, are a totem for him. And he chooses to only see the children in the real world. And he has flashes and visions of the children throughout the movie. And he refuses to look at their face. Because I think if he looks at their face, or if he envisions their face, he's going to realize that he uh, he might get lost in the dream. It's so detailed when it comes to having a dream within a dream. I, uh, just just the, the concept of it, the writing of it, it's just like, holy shit. Uh At the very beginning, when we see Maul, uh, Cobb's wife, at the beginning, she hints at small bits about what happened to, you know, about her death. Cobb works for Cobble Engineering. Is that is that correct? Uh, I just thought that, that they could have came up with a little bit better name of the, the company. Um... We also find out Cobb needs to do, he needs to perform Inception to go home, to have his uh, crime or crimes erased. I really like the names for the positions that are within this, like, uh, this, this heist team, sort of. Like, the architect is the name for the dream builder. Uh, let's see... He learned to navigate people's minds, uh, Cobb did, from his father. 
I would honestly, they they could have some sort of prequel if they wanted to, like a young Michael Caine doing some dream dreams uh, shiftiness. I guess I'm not really sure exactly what the word is. Hopping, dream hopping. Oh, I don't know what it's called. Uh, we find out. Cobb can't be an architect anymore because Maul infiltrates his mind. Uh, he tests uh, Ariadne using a maze. Uh, okay. And I think I said Ariadne wrong earlier. My bad. Uh, I love the first dream that uh, Ariadne is in. The full effect of it collapsing and the, the full uh, the effects and the practical effects and all of it together are very cinematic, I guess. I mean, you, you hardly ever see an explosion of a world just completely obliterating in slow motion. We find out that the dream sharing was uh, developed. The dream sharing technology was developed by the military. Um. In this movie, Tom Hardy, my God, I think this was one of the first times I saw Tom Hardy in a movie. Uh, didn't really know what to think about him, but my God, is the guy charismatic? Holy fuck! And we have uh, what we have two of the Peaky Blinders in this. When they are, I think it's in like Mumbai or something like that. I I, I don't remember exactly where they are. Uh, but when he's talking to Tom Hardy and uh, Cobble Engineering uh, Company starts to chase him, it's like, holy fuck, it, it is a fucking chase scene. And I feel like I haven't seen Christopher Nolan hit this stride of cinematography with action to this degree. I, For some reason, I don't feel like Dunkirk hit that level. Uh, Interstellar was more space-bound and not so much action-bound, so it didn't really have it there. All of the shots in the Batman series felt incredibly way too close, if you ask me personally. A lot of the fighting, a lot of the hand-to-hand -hand coordination, which just shot okay. It's not, it's not fantastic. But for some reason, this movie, the choreography and the cinematography and everything that's happening within this feels so high adrenaline and it, I think this movie shows some of the best uh, action when it within regards to the editing of it the the blocking of it how much space we can see between the people like the camera is not zoomed in on their faces when they're throwing punches it's pulled out so we can see what's going on uh, I, I I just love it the classic suits that the 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 company wears I you can tell who the company is versus who our our guys are. It's uh, very distinct. I like it's kind of classic. Uh, the wall squeezing scene when Leo is running from everybody, jumping all over the shit, and he has to get through these two walls. Like in a lot of quote unquote foreign countries, uh, buildings don't have to go by code, so to speak. And so you probably will go through many of these uh it's not it's kind of like a little hall that could potentially you know squeeze you out because it is really fucking tight there's no law that says there has to be like five feet away from each other so buildings are going to be really fucking close so i was just like oh so claustrophobic when you see leo get stuck between there and those guys are coming in and the music's swelling it's holy fuck holy fuck you know 
the music, yeah, I, I can't talk enough, enough good things about it. I think this is uh, Hans Zimmer's one of his best uh, scores to date. Um, let's see. Um, I really love the. Uh, I think his name's Yosef uh, character. He adds a lot of. Uh, I don't know character to these kind of dry individuals i think he's one of the guys that's kind of having a more of a fun time and he he brings some light light humor along with uh joseph gordon levitt and uh tom hardy's character kind of going back and forth with each other if you look you can see that uh they're kind of buddy buddy um throughout the whole thing let me see what else So when that guy got slapped in the underground bunker when they're showing about, uh, you know, all these older folks come to this underground bunker to come, uh, I think what this is, they come to be woken up, their dreams have become the rea reality, and he, th that one guy gets slapped, like, in the dream, did that guy not <laughs> go flying? Like, I'm very curious what happened to that guy in that dream, because he's like, see, they're sedated as fuck, and they're like, whoopsh! <laughs> like, that guy probably felt something. Uh... Uh, I never thought that a movie about dreaming would be so intense. The more I think about it, like, every time I watch people go to sleep on television or on movies, I'm like, good lord, the, you know, that's the best they could come up with? We're watching these people just sleep now? It's like, uh, but never has it been this compelling to watch people <laughs> go to sleep. Um, let's see. We see Leo running, quote-unquote, running experiment, experiments which is him with his wife. It appears, you know, he, you see uh, Ariadne passing a few times, Leo in the back doing some tests, and he says he's doing tests, but really he's going under and reliving memories, I believe, with uh, Maul. A lot more scenes of the totems than I remember, like the, the, the top, the tilted, the, you know, the... The, the the dice the uh the chess piece i thought we would have seen ariadne got to use her chess piece once or twice but we didn't actually get to um with specificity and improvised line the reiterating of it between joseph joseph gordon levitt and uh Tom Hardy, I felt like there was a little bit of ad-libbing between them because they actually do feel like they're kind of making fun of each other in real life. I don't know. I'm curious. But the dream structure went, in the first one, you're, it's one week. In the second dream, it's six months. and the third one, it's ten years. So you get really fucking lost in there. Uh, let's see. I really like the elevator concept to navigate Leo's dreams and memories. We kind of find out a little bit later that they actually like that elevator idea because they use it in a, um, from a building that they apparently liked when they were growing uh, their memories or whatever. Let me see. Hmm. I'm curious how old his kids are, Leo's kids. Uh, it sounds like on the phone they're a lot older than they are, but I, I really can't tell. 
I thought that Ariadne was kind of intrusive going in the basement of Leah's memories. I, I just felt like, you know, she's very wondrous in it and she's like leaving him uh, on certain floors while she goes explores the rest of it and felt extremely intrusive, although what Leo was doing was wrong. Still felt intrusive on her part. We see a short sequence of the of the train that ends up killing her in their dream, which I thought was kind of interesting. I like how the airline stewardess is uh, involved in uh, in the dreaming process once they get up in the air. Because uh, at first it's like, wait, if the whole entire team is going to... Uh, if the whole entire team is, you know, going to go under, then someone needs to press the button. So when they get into the first stream, things go wrong from the jump. The rain, the train, the security detail. Uh, we find out that Limbo is shown at the beginning of the movie, and that's what Leo and Saito are stuck in. If they don't come and they they say that if they don't complete the mission, they can't wake up at this point. The concept of limbo is where I kind of have a problem with the movie. It's not necessarily a con because I didn't pick up on it the first few times I watched it, but they're pretty explicit. At least Leo is pretty explicit with saying that limbo is not good. And if you die, you will go there and your brain turns to scrambled egg. But for some reason, at the end of the movie, Ariadne decides, I'm kind of skipping ahead. Ariadne decides that to go save Cillian Murphy, Murphy's character in limbo, they should all jump in into the sleep mode or they, they should go, you know, fall back asleep, go into the limbo or, you know, go into a layer deeper and grab them. And when they do, they, they get Cillian Murphy and they get, uh, Ariadne is there. They see Maul and long story short, the way they get out of limbo, the way Ariadne gets out of limbo with Cillian Murphy is killing him by throwing him off the top of the building. And then she jumps off too. I don't know if that makes sense in proximity to what they are explaining at this point, at the very beginning when they're saying limbo is going to scramble your mind. Now, does that mean limbo is going to scramble your mind and that if you die in limbo that you'll forever be scrambled? Or is your mind scrambled down there to a point where you don't know to kill yourself, that you're dreaming? There's a couple questions that I have during that, and I don't really think I'm going to get an answer uh, you know, just talking it out, but you know, at, at least we got the the gist of it. But let me kind of go back uh, in sequence again. Let me see. Hardy, Tom Hardy, turning into uh, Cillian Murphy's, uh, I think it's his Godfather Browning, is an awesome sequence. I love the editing in, in the mirror. It, it, it like shows Tom Hardy looking in the mirror. And then the reflections slowly turn into Browning's character. And they do that several times throughout the times they're in the dream. Except for the very end where they just kind of do a subtle shift from him being Browning to Hardy. And I really, I just enjoy the editing between all of them. 
it reminded me sort of like a Mission Impossible without the masks. And we find out Leo and Maul have spent 50 years in their dream together. Holy shit. So this guy's got like the wisdom of like an 80-year-old man. Uh, we also find out that Leo, or Cobbs, Cobb, uh, has been told by Maul, or was told back in the day, that she wrote a letter to her attorney that he threatened her. And this is what she uses to get the kids taken, I guess, from him. And uh, she kills she kills herself around that time. And uh, the the craziness about this is that we're watching these characters have a dream, and there's a flashback within the dream. So it's just it, it's a crazy concept just to even talk about. Uh, Leo Cobb has to forgive himself for what happened to Maul. Uh, I. Another thing I have mixed feelings on are the, the reasoning of why he infected Maul's mind with uh, Inception. I feel like it's not clearly explained. They say he knew they needed to escape. And so in order to do that, he planted a seed in her mind that meant that the world, the real world wasn't real and that the dream world was. Which I didn't completely understand why they would do that i didn't understand why they needed to escape so anyways <coughs> excuse me so when they're jumping into the second dream they talk about using the mr charles gambit it's basically telling the subject they are dreaming the switch of Tom Hardy from, uh, what's her face? It's Tesla's ex-girlfriend. What was her fucking name? I got it right here. Just give me two seconds. Oh, yeah, where the fuck is it? My fault. I was thinking of uh, Tallulah Riley. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, the Mr. J uh, Charles Gambit. I really like the world building when they talk about just the small, subtle <clears throat> plans and strategies they have for uh, incepting people or doing dream heists. All right, so... <clears throat> sorry, I need, need a water or something. Uh, let's see. The kids show up at the restaurant uh, and the subconscious looks at both Leo and Cillian Murphy during this time. That's everybody in the restaurant, and then he starts to tell them, you know, look at the subtle things, think how things are weird in this place. And he's telling him to look at the, basically the practical effects in the restaurant. The glass and the water, the water on the glass, the tilting effect. So it works all very well. Um, the quick give me a kiss between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ariadne. I like that, it's cute. Shows a little bit of romance between something that's, <clears throat> for the most part, this movie is not that romantic. <laughs> uh, Cillian Murphy is a believable-ass actor. And accepting that he's in a dream, uh, you just see the look on his face like, oh my gosh. Um, I don't think many actors could do that. 
Some exposition becomes notable, noticeable when describing the second dream and how they're going to uh, factor Browning into this, into the, uh, into the dream. Also, how did they get Browning to say what he would say in the second dream? I was confused that they were following a projection of Browning, but yet when they got Browning in the hotel room in front of Cillian Murphy, that, <clears throat> that he basically said what the team wanted him to say. So I was just a little bit confused with all of that. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be getting or how they did that. I'm not, I'm not sure. Cause it was clearly not Tom Hardy under the mask or something. Uh, the van flip with the hallway fight was absolutely amazing. It's one of the most well put together, put together choreographed and edited scenes that I, I've seen in a very long time when it comes to originality and action. I know the hallway fight, I think actually was, uh, an homage of another fight from a long time ago. I can't remember exactly which I might have to put it in the show notes for additional information, but, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. And I, I, I want to know how they did. It's like they had a hallway that was actually moving with the the people. I'm not even sure how Joseph Gordon-Levitt did get fucked up. It was, it was crazy. Um, when the van is flipping over and whatnot and everything's going crazy on the first level of the dream, I think Yosef is like, did you guys see that? And he turns around and they're all asleep. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I, I, they have, <clears throat> I think the writing in this, when it comes to the jokes, I think really work. It's very light, very... Uh, to the point, nothing, you know, they're not elongating things. It's nothing crazy. Leo's wife comes through the air ducts. <clears throat> Just like Ariadne had asked uh, Leo at the beginning of the third dream, I believe. Also love the stairway trick. We see it earlier in the movie, and then we see uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt have to use it again when he's uh, fighting another guy projection zero gravity with everyone floating i think that's in the second yeah in the second dream in the hotel is a dope effect i remember they open up the hotel room and everybody's like tangled up sleeping it's like how and they talk about how you're gonna get a kick happen if you know there's no gravity it's, it's kind of an interesting uh set they gotta do they gotta work with <clears throat> and again the practical effects really work it was hard to tell what was and wasn't majority of the time. I think unless you're in limbo, the practical effects looked all right. I love when they go to the third uh, level of the dream in this s snow setting, wherever the hell they are. I don't know. It looks like they went somewhere in Europe. Uh, just the cinematography of it alone is beautiful in each level of the dream. You can tell a distinct difference. They sort of make up the rules at the end by trying to rescue Murphy. They needed a reason to go down to limbo. So like I talked about earlier, I felt like they were very willing just to go down to limbo and go get his ass without even thinking about it. And I felt like Ariane was not the character that should have been thinking about that. I mean, it it's cool that she got to be the person that said, hey, let's go do it. And, you know, she's suggesting the ideas. But I felt like <clears throat> from like a professional standpoint within the dream world, that Leo should have thought of that, or somebody should have thought of that. I don't know. I just had mixed feelings of uh, Ariadne just 
randomly coming up with the idea to to jump in his mind? Why didn't they think about that before if they were going to have to rescue Saito anyway? Um, let me see, let me see. Okay, so when we go down to Limbo and Leo is talking to his uh, wife or the projection of his wife, I wish that we had gotten to see some sweetness from her. I felt like she is such a two-note, one or two-note character. When I mean that, I mean like one note as in she's only got one goal and that's to, I guess, wake him up or to, sorry, not to wake him up, to, to make sure he stays down there, I guess. I was... Oh, yeah, yeah, I think she wants him to stay in the dream state, his projection of her does. I wanted to see maybe just a little bit between him and his wife before all of that went down. I wanted to see why they had to escape. What was the big deal? Um, <clears throat> if we would have seen a little bit more of, uh, of a reasoning of why they were... So attached to the dream world, then I think that would have worked and resonated for me a little bit better to understanding why they wanted to escape to the dream world. The reveal of her death isn't as strong on second watch. I believe they talk about <clears throat> um, Leo is kind of yelling at Ariadne at, at one point saying, you know, the company believes that I killed my wife. And he says something like, thank you for not asking me if I actually did or not. The thing is, I felt like that was sort of implied that he did, that he incepted her. I, I felt like that was that was the reveal right there and not the fact that at the very end of the movie, when he's talking to her saying, you know, I did it to you. I was the one that did it. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I think that would have just served it a tad bit better. It, it, you know, it. It doesn't completely ruin anything for me. Obviously, it's still one of the best movies I've ever seen. Just some of the structuring I would have done a little restructuring on if I would have had my hands on it. Okay, so... I was a little bit upset about them just killing themselves to bring themselves back to level 3. Maul clearly stabs Leo at one point, and there's, like, no repercussions from that. Uh, Leo seems to, like... i kind of confused on what happens to Leo. It's like, in the first level of the dream, he's drowning, so the limbo part is taking him to a place... It takes him to the beach, I guess? Like, he washes up on the beach all of a sudden? I figured he would have been woken up I guess I'm not exactly sure why he wasn't all of a sudden maybe it was the timing uh let me see so how do they get projections of their families to say what they want without actually being under the mask I was a little bit confused so, along with the Browning character and then the Cillian Murphy's character his father says he was disappointed that he uh they rewrite it instead of saying he's disappointed in him. He's disappointed he tried to act like him. And so Cillian Murphy's naturally going to want to break up the business because of everything or whatever. I just don't understand how they got that projection of his father to say that. I was That's one thing I don't think they explain at all is what the projections. Like 
we can't Leo can't control Maul as a projection. So how do they control any of the other ones? So that, that, that's my question. Um, let me see. Transition for Hardy in the last uh, last transition from Tulu. Uh, it's not. It's from Browning to Hardy is very smooth. It just happens real subtly behind Murphy's head. The makeup on Saito, I think it still looks pretty good. They they make him up to make him look like a 98-year-old man or really old as fuck. Filled with regret. Um, I love the room that <clears throat> Saito is in as well. I really think the cinematography lends to that. Leo's expression in the plane when he wakes up from like the four levels and Limbo is so good. I want to see like all the takes of him just like, all right, now be wilderness. You just woke up from a dream. Everybody's here. And, it, you know, it, it seems like he's just like bewildered. Like he's so wide awake. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so since he sees his kids faces, I do believe that we are in the real world on the very last shot. I know it's supposed to be kind of ambiguous with the ever spinning top. I think there's too many signs that say that we are in the real world and versus not one being his kids. But um, yeah, I'll probably add some additional notes in the show notes, just, you know, some additional thoughts. I just wanted to kind of get this out of here because this is one of my favorite movies. I've never covered it before, never reviewed it. Hardly talk about on other podcasts, but I really wanted to kind of break it down. Uh, not quite scene by scene, but really give it a, a, a good thorough critical eye to make sure that this is still deserving of one of the top spots on my list of the past decade. And it certainly does. It certainly does. Just from originality, concept, acting, casting, I think all of it uh, heads in all the right favor. Um, it's diverse, like... Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I believe, is half, or his grandmother is Asian, I believe. Don't take me for that, you know. Uh, don't take my word for that, I believe. What is his name? Um, we have Ellen Page. She's showing a little bit of LBGT representation, although it's not shown on screen. Uh, Ken Watanabe, some Japanese representation. Uh Cillian Murphy, some English representation. Yusuf, uh, I believe, well, he's technically from California, but uh, we get a little bit of Middle Eastern representation when it comes to some culture. So I really do think the diversity within this uh, movie absolutely helps. Hell, Michael Caine's even in this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we we pretty much covered it. Not much more I can talk about Inception about, but uh, it's you know it's one of my favorite movies. Leo once again kills it, fucking amazing. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the Look It All podcast. It's kind of crazy this thing wasn't rated R. The more I think about it, I feel like it, they could have gone with a rated R and uh, still done just about as well. The thing about it is, it's not really that bloody, so I guess they didn't really need to. Anyways. Thank you for listening, watching Lucky Dog Podcast. Uh, I appreciate everyone sticking around and 
having fun with the podcast, interacting, comments, questions, concerns. You already know what it is, what it ain't, what it is. Check out email the look at our podcast at gmail.com, Twitter at look at our podcast, Facebook link down below, Twitch, twitch.tv slash look at our podcast, Instagram link down below, YouTube link down below, Discord if you want to talk in the chat and hang out with everybody else, add. Uh, add yourself to the discord the link is down below we could not do this without you support cash flow money everybody needs it we need it to keep the lights on we need it to go to the movies we need it for the streaming services nothing is free these days so if you have a couple dollars you have a couple quarters whatever you got everything helps paypal.me slash the luck podcast Thank you for listening to the Inception Podcast. Be sure to look out for additional podcasts coming down the tube. Right now, I'm covering The Outsider, Season 1 on HBO. We just released Ad Astra, 2019 movie review. And Aftercast number 4. The Aftercast is a little bit of behind the scenes of the Look Dog Podcast. And you can kind of hear what's just going on in between podcasts and just random bullshit, you know, uh, hang, hang around, talk, whatever, talk the shit, walk the walk, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Love it up podcast. Dreams collapsing. I have it under control. I need to see out of control. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling.